All right, we're going to jump into our sermon uh, this morning, which comes from Luke chapter 11. If you uh, have a Bible, would you turn there? If you don't have a Bible, there should be a red one close to you on a chair. Uh, feel free to use that uh, this morning. Our text comes uh, on page 507. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, take this with you. This is our gift to you. We want to make sure that you have the Word of God available at all times so that you can listen to what our Father has to say. So we're continuing uh, our series on the parables of Jesus. We're calling it Jesus the Great Storyteller. And we've been looking at various parable, parables through uh, the Gospel of Luke. And we've said before that um, uh, parables are just stories that teach us what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, or, or Jesus is teaching us, in other words, to what it means to live in a relationship with other people and with God according to his design. And uh, with any relationship, communication is necessary. Uh, God speaks to us and we speak back to God. We, we started this sermon series four weeks ago looking at God speaking his word to us. And today's parable, we're going to look at prayer, which is our opportunity to speak back to God. And so relationship needs communication. That's why we need to learn about prayer, about approaching God's throne with our words to speak to him. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, verses uh, 1 through 13. And if you're joining with us this morning and uh, you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here. That's fine. Uh, and maybe you think prayer is just awkward and weird and you get uncomfortable when you see other people pray, and you might be right. Uh, but here's why I think you need to listen to today's message, whether you're a Christian or not. Like, I'm only 30 years old, um, but I think that that's long enough to know that sooner or later, something's going to go wrong with your life. Uh, it might be a, a health thing or a financial thing or a relationship thing. I, I don't know, but I know that something is going to go wrong. And in those moments, when your life begins to shake and crumble, you are going to want to hold on to something and cry out, Oh God, what is happening? And this parable teaches us that when we cry out, Oh God, what is happening? Someone hears you. Someone loves you. Someone cares for you, and he's going to act for you. So let's dive in. Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will say to him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come now to you asking that through your spirit you would speak to us through your word. Lord, encourage us, convict us, and empower us, and comfort us with your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praying should be easy. It's just talking. If you know how to talk to a friend or a family member, then it should be easy to talk to God. Prayer should be easy. And yet it's not, right? I mean, let me just be honest. It's difficult. Uh, sometimes it feels impossible. I mean, even uh, perhaps you are like me. Every time I close my eyes, I immediately get inundated with ideas and thoughts and confusion and distraction. C.S. Lewis calls it the, the kingdom of noise that just funnels in and blocks your mind as you're trying to pray. It's difficult. Some people actually might be fearful in prayer. I mean, if, if, if you see other people pray and they seem so uh, elegant in their words, perhaps you might be fearful. Hey, I don't know what to say. I can't pray like that. Whether maybe you're a new Christian and you're looking at other people praying and you've just never known or taught, been taught how to pray. It can be fearful. Then that can lead to doubt. Doubting, is this really making any difference at all? Because I've prayed before and I seemingly didn't get what I prayed for. Is God really listening and doing anything? Or even doubting if there's anyone on the other side of my prayer. You know, when we talk on the phone, we appear to be talking to ourselves, but we're comforted by the voice on the other end, right? But with prayer, it's hard to hear the other voice, isn't it? Sometimes prayer feels like writing a message in a bottle and casting it into the ocean, just hoping someone finds it. Prayer can be difficult. And that's why Jesus gives us this parable. In fact, even the disciples were struggling with prayer, and they went to Jesus and saw him praying and said, Teacher, Jesus, teach us how to pray too. Well, this morning, this parable, this teaching is going to teach us that we can pray with confidence, not with doubt or fear, but with confidence. And there's three illustrations, three pictures that Jesus is going to give us to remind us of the confidence that we have when we go to him in prayer. And the first one is this, we need to pray with confidence like the friend that comes at night. Uh, secondly, we need to have confidence like a son who's in need. And then third, we need to pray like a beloved child of God. So let's get in. We need to pray with confidence like the friend that comes at night. So this story might seem a little weird to us, this parable that Jesus teaches about this friend that comes at night. And, and I think in our sort of cultural context, it is. You know, this kind of thing wouldn't happen. Uh, but in that culture, it wasn't an uncommon story that unfolded. So it just... Maybe try to imagine the story for yourself. You are sitting at home. You're tu you know, turning in for the night. You're getting ready for bed, and there's a knock at your door. It's the middle of the night. You get up, 
and you see who it is. And it's a friend of yours. You just haven't seen him in, in years. He lives far away, but he's been traveling at night in the cool of the night rather than day. And he, he needs to rest for the evening. And so he stops at your door and says, hey, can I stay with you? I mean, I, I would do that. Hopefully you would do that too. And in that culture, it was so appropriate to welcome in visitors and be so hospitable and so welcoming and inviting to them uh, to provide for them their shelter and food. But unfortunately for you tonight, you ate all the bread at dinner, and so you don't have anything to offer your friend. And so you think, all right, let me just go across the street real quick and see if they have anything. Uh, because hospitality was just so important. To not be able to provide for your friend who comes at night would be to, in many ways, reject him altogether. So you in your pajamas run across the street, and then you knock. You say, hey, hey, friend, shh, friend, do you have any bread? I, I've got a buddy that just stopped into town unexpectedly, and I don't have anything. Do you have anything I could borrow? All right, now picture yourself as the neighbor. You're asleep. It's been a long day, and you're woken up with a bang. At first, you're startled. Perhaps you're fearful. You don't know who's out the door. And then you hear it's, it's your neighbor, and you're probably irritated. Come on. It's the middle of the night. You slowly get out of bed. You walk to the door. You open it up a little bit, see who's there, and it's your buddy, and he's asking you for bread. How would you respond? I mean, probably just like this guy. Come on, man. I'm, I'm asleep. I don't want to open the door. The metal latch would wake up my kids. Everyone's asleep already. You have no idea how it longs to take to get them to fall asleep. Don't, don't bother me. Go home. Look, it's not that he doesn't have bread to give. There's plenty of bread to give. It's just that this neighbor is unwilling to provide. That's how I would respond, and maybe that's how you'd respond too. And I think maybe in a normal situation, uh, that neighbor then would go to the next house and the next house until he finally found bread. But look how the story ends. Look how Jesus concludes the story. In verse 8, he says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. It's because of his impudence. Now, uh, I don't know what that word is, so I had to look it up. We don't use it too much in the English language, but impudence uh, means to be bold, uh, to have gusto, to have audacity, to be persistent. You know, we might say this man has come and he's asking with nerve. And it's because he's so bold in his request that his friend will give him the bread. Jesus is inviting us in this parable to be like the friend that comes at night with impudence, to come with nerve to our Heavenly Father and to ask Him for what we need. And to ask with nerve, with audacity. A, a couple years ago, uh, early September on a Saturday morning, uh, ESPN's College Game Day show rode into uh, Iowa State's university and set up their big production. And uh, just like many hundreds of people that morning, Carson King woke up really early with his friends to get there, you know, front of the line so he could be on TV. And he wrote out his big sign to hold up, hoping that it would get onto TV. And he, he and his buddies rode out and stood there in the front holding up the sign that said, my beer supply needs replenishing. Here's my Venmo account. He was asking with nerve. 
And within two hours, his Venmo account had $400 and then $600. And ESPN kept on playing the clip over and over again. And by the end of the, the next week, he had over $16,000. And so he tweeted out, he said, I am overwhelmed by this generosity. I'm going to donate all this money to the Iowa State Children's Hospital. And, and that got picked up and replayed and replayed and replayed. And by the end of September, he had raised over $70,000 on his Venmo account. And then get this, Venmo then matched that donation. And then Anheuser-Busch, the beer company, also matched that donation and gave him a year supply of beer. But the moral of the story is ask with audacity. Ask with nerve. And Jesus is saying, come to the Father like the friend at night. Because here's, here's what's amazing. God's never sleeping. He's never irritated with your question. He's never lacking supplies for you. He is ready to hear you. Are you praying with boldness like that? Are you praying with audacity for not just big things, but amazing things, things that can really matter in your life and in the life of your neighbors? Jesus is inviting us to come and approach him with confidence like the friend at night. The second illustration he gives us is to come with confidence like a child in need. So Jesus picks up and he asks this question in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is inviting us to have confidence like a child who's in need, like a son that goes up to his dad and says, Dad, can I have some food? Now, some people say that this passage is talking about, you know, uh, um, some kind of water snake looks like a fish, and so the dad might be confused and give him something that he didn't want. Or sometimes when a scorpion curls up on itself, it might look like an egg on the desert floor. Uh, and so people say, well, God isn't confused with what you need. He knows what you need. And that's, you know, that's true. He isn't confused. He does know what you need. But I think what Jesus is saying is that, you, fathers, mothers, parents, you know what is good for your kids and what is harmful for your kids. And you would not give what is harmful to your kids. You would give them what they need, good food. God is like a good father who knows what we need and will give us what we need. When I was younger, um, much younger, before I understood how money worked, you know, that, that people work for a job and get money and then there's a limited supply. I didn't understand that. And so it bothered me that my parents would go and uh, they'd buy me clothes every, you know, the beginning of the school year or in the winter time or the beginning of summer. They just, they'd freely go and buy me clothes whenever. But then when I asked for a toy at the toy store or said, hey, did you see that commercial? I want that. They would say, no. You don't need that. We're not going to give you that. And it just bothered me. I mean, they had money. Why, why would they buy me clothes but not toys? I didn't quite understand, but now I do, that, you know, there is a limited supply of money. And I'm completely fine giving my children what they need, food and clothing. But, you know, I, I know what they need and just what they want. And I enjoy giving them what they want, too. But I've come to realize that parents know what we need. 
you know, my kids, uh, they're, they're three and one and a half, and, um, you know, I, I know what's good for them. I know what they need versus what they want. We love to go get uh, surprise ice cream dessert as a family. It's, it's a pleasure when they're sitting down at dinner and we say, hey, kids, do you want to go get ice cream? And they, they brighten up and they're so excited. So we go down the street and get ice cream. But if they had their way, they would ask for ice cream every day. And, uh, you know, if I gave it to them, if I gave everything that they wanted, they would get sick. It would be harmful for them. They'd throw up. And so I don't give them everything that they want, even though I do enjoy delighting and giving them that sometimes. And then similarly, you know, the other day we were driving or walking out by City Park, and there's a cool skate park, and we went over to watch the teenagers on their scooters and skateboards, and Theo was just loving it. He, he, he's pretending to be a teenager now, which is scary. Uh, but we got home after that walk, and he went to the backyard, and he has like a little plastic scooter thing that he rides around on the driveway. And he tried to take the scooter and put it up on um, the picnic table that we had. And he climbed up top, and he said, look, Dad, I'm a teenager doing tricks. And he was about to fall off of the picnic table from his scooter. And so I'd run over and be like, Theo, no, you can't do this. You're going to get hurt. But maybe in 10 years, that would be a really cool trick for him to do. So, you know, I, I as a parent have to say, no, not now. And I think that what Jesus is saying is God is a good father. He knows what you need. He knows what will be good for you. And he knows what will hurt you. And because he knows that, when we come to him with prayer, we can have this confidence. He will always answer our prayer for our good. Sometimes that's yes. Yes, absolutely, have this. It's good for you. Sometimes that's no, because he knows that it will harm you. And then sometimes it's not yet. Either you're not ready for it, or, or the world isn't ready for it. Whatever it is, he will always answer your prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet. But we have that confidence to approach him like a father because he knows what's good for us, and he will always give us what's good for us. But here's the application, because sometimes that's, you know, theoretically that makes sense. But practically, that means that when you pray for something and do not get it, that means that he is saying no for your ultimate good. And that's hard to hear. That whatever is happening in your life is for your ultimate good. That might be good here in this life, but it could also be good ultimately in the life to come. And that's hard to hear. And that's why Jesus says that the Father will give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask. Because it is a work of the Spirit to give us patience, gentleness, and kindness to receive the no because it's for your good. So Jesus says, come with confidence, one, like the friend at night, come to God who is not irritated, who has everything you need, and he'll, he'll answer you. And then two, come with confidence like a son who is in need, a child in need, because our Father knows what's good for us. And third, the third illustration is this. Jesus says, come to God, approach the throne, pray to him with confidence, like a beloved child of God. Jesus concludes this passage with that phrase in verse 13. 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But then back up. How does Jesus begin his teaching? He says, when you pray, pray like this. Father. The first thing out of our mouth when we pray is, Father. Our Father. Jesus is inviting us to come to him as a father as of his beloved children, adopted by our faith in Jesus. This is why it's so important. Who you think God is and what you think God is like will shape every understanding and every interaction you have with God. Who you think he is and what you think he's like will shape everything about your relationship to him. And so if you think that God, God the Father is distant, then you are not going to come to him with help, for help. If you think that God does not care for you, then when you need to be rescued, you won't go to him because you believe he doesn't care. If you think that God is too busy, then you're just going to figure out how to do it yourself. But God is a father. And I know some people have not had a great relationship with their father. Some fathers have been deadbeat dads. But God, the father, is not like that. He is a good, good father. And here's, here's our proof. Here's our evidence. Because you might ask, Jeremy, if God is like a father, how do I know that God the Father is not going to be like my dad. Because let's, let's just be honest. Look, every one of us have had less than perfect dads. I'm, I'm not saying every dad is, is terrible and hurtful and whatever, but every one of us has had less than perfect dads. Jesus even says, even if you, though you are evil, what he's saying is there's an element about every one of us that is broken, including fathers, Maybe your dad was too busy with work and neglected time with the family during those formative years that you desperately needed him. Uh, maybe your dad uh, hurt your family and, and, and left even. Maybe your dad just didn't know how to express the love that you desperately needed to feel. Every one of us has had a less than perfect father. But what Jesus says is there is a good father and he loves you. Here's the confidence that we have, that we can go to God, who is better than every father we've ever known. This isn't the only time that Jesus teaches us about praying to the Father. At the end of the Gospel of Luke, at the end of Jesus's life, Jesus, on the night before he is crucified, is praying in a garden, and he is on his knees and he is weeping, and he is in anguish. And Luke tells us that his sweat is dropping like drops of blood. He is in so much anguish, and he is praying to his father. Why is he in so much anguish? He knows that within 24 hours, he is going to be betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten, stripped, pierced, humiliated, and die. And yet that 
is not what he is in anguish about. He is in anguish about this. He says, Father, if there is any other way, if there is any other way to let this cup pass from me, let it be so, but not my will, your will be done. And that cup, what, what he's saying is, Father, I know what is ahead of me. Yes, I am going to suffer physical pain, but what I am in anguish about is that you are going to pour out your wrath for their sin on me. And I, I am in anguish over that. And yet he says, Father, I trust you. And so Jesus goes to the cross, and as he is hung up there to die, your sin and my sin was poured out on him. And God's wrath, God's anger towards you and me because of our sin was focused on Jesus. And here's why that was so, so hard for Jesus. For all of eternity, the Son of God had lived in a perfect relationship with his Father. They experienced so much love and, and, and unity. But on the cross, when Jesus became your sin, he experienced his Father turning his face away from his Son. He experienced his dad saying, I cannot receive you because of the sin. And because Jesus took that from you and me, we can go to him with confidence, knowing that he will never turn his face away from us. Look, I understand myself, and I think I understand everyone here a little bit, that when we sin, we try to hide it. When I was younger, I broke a new toy that I had recently gotten, and I hid it underneath my bed. And when my parents asked where it was, I lied to them because I was so scared of them finding out what I'd done. When we sin, we are scared, and we want to hide it. Why? Because if we tell our God, our Heavenly Father, what we did, our fear is that he would reject us. Our fear is that he would turn away from us and leave us. But on the cross, our guilt, our shame, our sin was taken by Jesus. And because of that, by our faith in him, no matter what we have when we come to God, no matter any sin that you have, that is paid for in full. God will never reject you. God will never abandon you. He is a good, good father. So come to him with that confidence Come to him with bold prayers. Pray for things for God to move in your life and in your neighbor's life. Come to him with the things that you need, knowing that everything that he gives you is for your good. And come to him even with your sin, knowing that it is paid for, you are washed clean, and he will always receive you. He is a good, good father. Let us go to him now in prayer.